Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Part two of Are You Using These Failure-Inducing Words and Phrases? So we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. Julie, welcome to today's show. Hopefully I hit all the right unmute buttons. I think yeah, so. I, did. I hope I'm live. I Good. feel like I am. I did. All right. yeah. You never know. Yeah. I'm not okay. a technical person. You never know. <laughs> you know. I'm still learning on the job, even after doing six, six – how many shows have we done? I should count. I should 3, know. 3,000? I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> Something like that. How about that, that for honest? Well, <laughs> plays into the 10,000-hour rule, doesn't it, or 10,000-show yeah. rule in our case? You know, that's not part of today's show, but it is worth mentioning. Um, that's a, such a great topic, and people don't seem to really understand that. And it, I think it's the older I get, the more I realize it's true. It really does take time. Even though people call themselves experts, it Um, of conscious competence, where you basically can say things and do things without having to put much effort into it, where things just seem to happen smoothly and easily and the rest of it. And it wasn't uh, – I mean, it was what Ben Franklin, right, Julie, that said that originally, the 10,000-hour rule? I have to look it Edison. up. I think it was yeah, Edison. Yeah, I think you're right. It was Edison, yeah. So um, for those of you who are – it's worth it, – this is the reason it's worth knowing that. <clears throat> it was actually – how about this? We're going to go from Thomas Edison to Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> as far as people hmm. were going to quote. So Matthew McConaughey, he said something I really loved. He said, it takes a lifetime to get, a good, get good at one thing, choose your one thing carefully. I thought that was a really, really awesome thing, you know, because it really does. And it does take 10,000 hours to be able to get good at something. And if you figure out how long that actually takes, that's a lifetime. Some of you, it's a lifetime. So if things seem to take longer than you think they should, which God knows everything does, right? <laughs> Wealth accumulation, getting in really good shape, doing, you know, really get, getting good at your listing presentation or prospecting or getting good at just anything. If it seems that it takes longer than you think, don't make the mistake of thinking there's something wrong with you. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you're at fault. What it is is just the fact that it takes a long damn time to get good at anything. Where a lot of agents fail is that they give up too soon. You've all heard that before. But nobody quite understands, and I've been in that realm too where you're like, okay, when is it that I'm giving up too soon versus just giving up on something that doesn't work or doesn't work anymore? When, when do I know that maybe I'm on the wrong path versus I just haven't stayed on the path long enough? Julie, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think that that's when you have coaches that have put in more hours than you perhaps to ask those questions to. I think that you look at the results that you're getting along the way, and if you're really working hard at something and not just dabbling, because I think that's part of it. You know, to have a judgment call after trying something like three or four times or even three or four months, it's way too soon to tell. And I I think it's even too soon to tell, it's even too soon to ask that question when you give up so much too soon. I think that's part of it. Part of it is looking at your uh, performance, what you're getting along the way, because in real estate, one of the greatest blessings, I was just rereading this in our book, actually, as I go through the next edit, uh, one of the greatest blessings is that you do have the ability to earn while you learn, 
and, you know, pick up those breadcrumbs along the way. I'm thinking about some of our new members who just uh, posted on Facebook that they're scrambling to get their pre-listing packages done. You know, and one of our uh, more senior coaching members responded and said, you know, it's okay for if you've got appointments tomorrow and you're trying to get that done, you can supplement that into what you're doing, earn while you're learning, and then the next one you make it better, and maybe a week or two weeks from now you've got the full pre-listing package done. Right? So That is good to, advice, actually. You know, yeah. versus, you know, throwing it all away and saying, well, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm, you know, and struggling. So I think there's a lot to it, um, what you asked. I'm not sure if I answered your exact question. No, you did. But the, first thing, the first thing you said was probably the essence of what you were trying to say, right? The first thing you mm -hmm. said is the way you can benchmark whether you're on the right path, whether you're taking too long, or whether, you know, the first, the right path question, that's the good one. And then once you determined you are on the right path, if you want to really know, uh, whether or not, okay, is this taking too long because I'm the problem, or is this taking too long because the path is the problem? Go to outside experts. That's what we've always done. That's the only really real way to know. You can only get yourself so far in life with what you, what you have in your head. Even if, even if you're a constant reader and listener to podcasts like Julie and I do, we don't watch any media. We don't listen to CNN. We don't listen to any of that crap. But we do listen to podcasts. We do. Our, we are very selective on what we allow into our heads, because obviously what you think about the most is what you become. It's what you create. It's what you hate to use this woo-woo word, but it's true. It's what you manifest for yourself. So um, when you're trying to ascertain whether or not what you're doing makes sense, you need to go outside of your initial, your, your world. You need to go outside of your group. And I'm going to give you guys, actually, I just had this pop in my head, and this is a really good example. And by the way, this whole conversation has nothing to do with our topic today, but it's worth, I think, for some of you, it's a perfect it timing. sometimes. So, it happens a lot with you and I, Julie. <laughs> yep. So we uh, had, I had a conversation yesterday with a guy, I'm not going to mention his name, I'm going to try to get him on the podcast, who used to own a coaching company. It was actually two guys. And their big thing was teaching people how to do teams. Their big thing was teaching how to people do all the trendy stuff, the branding and the, the branding and the buying of the leads and the, you know, the sort of um, direct response type stuff. Okay, so that was their thing. In other words, they were buying all their business, and their whole business model was predicated on buying business. If you guys have been in the business for 20 years, you know who these two guys are. And they were big at Keller Williams in particular. They were selling hundreds of houses per year. They were on the stage all the time. They were doing this, the other thing. All right, so these guys were, basically came up after Julie and I were already out of the business, so we never knew them as fellow practitioners. We knew them when they started getting the coaching space, and I actually had a little you know, coaching with them on how to start their coaching business, and this was back 15 years ago or 12 years ago. Their coaching business is really not, not around anymore, and I started to ask them, well, what the heck happened? And the essence was, is that, and this is what they said, is that the coaching model where you're coaching people how to build big teams because the big teams model doesn't produce enough profit. And what happened was is that they themselves in their own real estate business, their teams, they weren't failing because they're selling lots of houses, but they weren't making enough profit. So in essence, they were failing because remember, listeners, ultimately the product of your real estate practice is profit. So what these guys did, and this is gonna, I'm going to relate this back to what we were just talking about. What these guys did is they went to and only went to the people that were in their immediate world. They went and read you know, 
Gary Keller's original book, which his original book was great. Okay, absolutely, absolutely. They went to Keller Williams conferences. They talked to other like-minded people who are also building teams and adding staff and buying new, you know, sources of leads and doing all this other crap. So what they were constantly doing is reinforcing the path they were on for the same pe- with the same people who were on the same path. So they were just – it was confirmation bias. They were never allowing in any conflicting thoughts. Nowhere in their you know, thinking, obviously, was they, hey, this is not profitable. This is not getting me to any sort of meaningful financial result, and all I'm doing is turning transactions. All I'm doing is creating a nice lifestyle for myself. I've got my boat. I've got my house on the lake. But I really am living in absolute panic of a downturn in the economy because I have massive business overhead now. So they did not and were not building wealth. They were not listeners, longtime podcast listeners, and any way of being rich where their money is working for them or where they're working for their money. Oh, sure, they were the types that would have said something along the lines of, my business makes money for me part-time while I'm out on my boat, that kind of bullshit statement. But the reality of it was there was no profit there was literally not enough profit for them to reinvest in things like real estate and things that were truly producing passive income. Some of you have no idea what I'm saying. Others of you know exactly what I'm saying because you've been in the industry for a long time. Some of you know what I'm saying, have suspected what I'm saying is true, and now you're really focused in and listening to what I'm saying. Okay, so here's the moral of the story. Their own real estate teams, I'm not going to say failed, but they failed. They didn't work because they weren't producing profit. Their coaching company, I'm not going to say failed because they closed it voluntarily, but failed because the model that they were teaching, the model that's being taught by a lot of people right now, produces no profit. I know it sounds bizarre. Why are you saying this, Tim? How is it that you know, other, people, other people aren't saying this? It's because they're all part of that same little bubble. They're all you know, essentially doing the same exact thing. Julie and I's coaching company and the training that we're doing it's not, guys, look, we want you to hire assistants. We want you to have small teams. But what we really want you to have is a boat crap ton of profit. And you can do that if you follow the business model that we uh, created for you guys in Premier Coaching. It's the one that we followed. It's the one that a lot of the top agents in the country follow. And our agents, generally speaking, aren't the big ones that are going to be up there bragging about shit tons of house sales that they're doing, even though they are. Because that's not their business model. Their business model is not to ego. Their business model is pulling the profit out of the business and buying apartment complexes, getting involved in other types of businesses that will produce profit because their goal is to be rich where their money works for them and they no longer have to work for their money. Going back to these two gentlemen I was talking about, what happened is they got seduced into believing that the profit would eventually come. It never did. Then what they did, and this is what a lot of people do, is they traded profit for ego satisfaction. I have a 1,000 people that I'm speaking to next week, and they all love me. They all want me to sign their arms. They're just Ego became the currency, and adulation of strangers became the currency more than profit did, more than making actual money did. It's fascinating, isn't it? This phenomena isn't tied to, isn't just real estate specific you see it happening in in uh, you know people are addicted to the concept of being famous and the famous being famous being recognized is a it's like it should be a, a illegal substance you know because some people literally can't handle it in large doses and when they get it which is easy to get in real estate when you you know sell a bunch of houses people are going to deify you and when they when you get it a lot of people's egos go off the rails because they've never in their entire lives gotten that level of attention it's unmanageable they're psychologically not ready for it 
And then they do everything they possibly can to keep that level of attention coming in because that's their currency now. They love the attention. They love the ego fulfillment. They love people kissing their butts. They love, okay, even though they have nothing in their bank accounts, even though basically they're a couple bad months away from having their BMWs repoed. You guys understanding what I'm saying here? That's the cold, hard facts of the path of a lot of the, the industry is following, and it's going, to come to a, it's going to come to a hard stop as soon as the economy starts to noticeably slow down across the country because that business model does not work in a uh, changing real estate market, let alone a market that's buyer-sided, uh, you know, buyer, you know, where the buyers control, when all of a sudden the commissions are under attack, when all of a sudden all these other types of things happen in a normal changing market. Those models are going to crash, and they're going to burn. So I ask all of you to use what's called common sense. Look outside of your own little you know, brain trust, if you want to even call it that, your own ecosystem, your own whatever world you're finding yourself in. And I ask you to challenge everything that you're, think, that you're doing currently because chances are what you're doing now won't work in 24 months. And I mean won't work full stop. It's an absolute complete shit show waste of time. Won't work. Not just won't work kind of. That's what happens in, in any business. It goes through these cycles. So your job as a business owner and entrepreneur is stop just blindly following. Okay, I'm supposed to build a seven-level business. Okay, I'm supposed to go and add buyer's agents. Okay, blah, 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 blah. What if you're not supposed to really do any of that if your goal is to make profit? Because you're not, by the way. Okay, so look, rant over. <laughs> Hopefully we helped some of you. Um, that's where Julie and I's heart and soul is. We are the only agent-centric coaching company that's out there. Everybody else is basically bought and sold by the big tech companies or the big brokers or, you know, both. Not us. We are boots on the ground focused on what's best for agents, and we're always going to say things that are best for you guys, even if, frankly, it results in us having um, fewer coaching sales because we alienate people, and that's fine because I don't want you guys to suffer because we've seen it, hap- it I don't, I'm not going to go down that road, but I don't want you guys to suffer when the market changes. The question you should ask, and Julie's going to finish out the points, is this one question. It's very interesting. Ooh, Julie, I haven't asked this one forever. If you knew for sure, ooh, you got to write this down, dude, so I don't forget it. If you knew for sure, 18 to 24 months from now, everything in the economy was going to be different. Everything in your real estate practice was going to be different. Just the whole thing. Everything, commissions under attack, price reductions happening, sellers freaking out, buyers in panic mode, home inspections being a you know, bloody knuckle fight, a whole thing, 2000, 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009, all over again. If you knew for sure, 18 to 24 months from now, that's what it was going to be like, what would you be doing differently now? I told you it was a good question. Mm-hmm. Did you write it down? Are you thinking about it? How many of you right now are just panicking that I even asked that question? You probably should be panicking if I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to try to make you feel okay about it. If you're panicking, it's because you know you're not ready. Get ready, guys. Come on. It's not that difficult. But please don't wait. If you do what everyone did then, you, what normal people do is they wait too long. You know, have you guys ever watched they just want to make time? sure that it's happening, right? They, they, it can't be exactly. happening in their market. Because there's a few examples of it not happening. They want to believe in that as long as possible. That's exactly it. You know, so you guys, if you knew for sure 18 to 24 months from now, there was going to be a massive change in just the economy in general, but in your personal economy, real estate, 
if you knew for sure that was happening, what would you be doing differently now? You should all start making a list of those things, and you should seriously ask yourself why you're procrastinating and what Julie just said. What most people do is they wait too long. What most people do is they wait, they, they, they think it doesn't apply to them. Oh, no, Harris, you, you keep your Texas boots on there, son. That's not going to happen to me. I've got a team. Hell, have you seen my logo? My website's got IDEX, right? Yeah, don't forget. I mean, I'm trying to make you guys laugh. Right. I'm trying to make you guys laugh. But the reality of it is, is if you're in denial, you're going to be one of the ones that gets washed over. Far greater, smarter people have suffered as a result of a changing market who waited too long than all of us listening, present company included. Okay? So, guys, please get prepared. It is here. I don't know how much... I don't know what else I could do to possibly I'm going Julie and I are going to do every single podcast and we're going to tell you this on every well probably every second or third podcast otherwise it'll get boring because we don't want to feel like we didn't do everything in our power to warn you. Notice how nobody else is talking about this by the way. Notice how none of our competitors are talking about this. Why? Because they don't know what to tell you what to do. Because they don't want you guys to panic. They don't want you guys to overreact. We want you to be prepared. And then what happens, here's the crazy thing. When brokers and office managers take the time to make sure their agents are overprepared for a changing market, when they know how to take listings and price reductions and, oh, my gosh, guys, the emotions that are associated with this type of market are they're exhausting. When you know how to deal with all those things because it's basically learning standard business practices and learning scripts and learning systems and they're going to design to get the seller the result that they want in a way that, you know, all these types of things. When you're a broker or an office manager, when you have a leader like that that's saying, listen, I get the fact the market's great right now, but I want you all to be prepared for what's next. And look, while we still have time, and maybe I'm wrong about the 18 to 24 months, guys. Maybe it's six. I don't know, but I think I'm right. But while we still have time, let's all get prepared collectively. Let's start focusing on basically how to become buyer's agents. I'm sorry, buyer's agents, wrong. How to become listing agents. Let's all collectively agree that we're going to get off this you know, addiction to buying buyer leads. Let's be honest about our numbers. Let's get pissed off the fact that we're not making any profit in our business and no longer find it acceptable. Hey, guys, if you're not making profit in your real estate practices in this housing market, what do you think is going to happen when the market shifts? It's not going to get better. Scary. It is true. Okay, there it is. So, look, guys, if you need us for anything directly, Julie and I are being request, asked to speak at a lot of, you know, fill-in-the-blanks, offices, brokers, you know, what have you. Please don't, don't be afraid to email us. I had a very funny coaching call this morning with someone who wanted us to speak at their region, and he was afraid to ask me about the market because he didn't want me to tell him the truth. But all I had him do on the call was log into the MLS, and he told me the statistics, and he answered all of his own questions. But if you're interested in having Julie and I come out uh, to your office, we are interested in doing a selective handful of private uh, in-person events, Tim at timandjulieharris.com. Just email me directly, and I'll connect you with our uh, media people. And, uh, yeah, and if you guys need a free coaching call, agents, if you need help now, which you all do, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com, and you can speak directly to one of our new member coaches. And when you do so, as always, you're also going to be given six free books. Definitely download the Real Estate Treasure Map first. It's a fill-in-the-blank business plan, and it is designed for all uh, markets. But really what it's going to force you to do is what we ask you to do, beg you to do, uh, is drill down on your numbers so you know your uh, you're actually running a profitable business. So, Julie, let's finish off these points. Yes, and I'm going to start on, related to our discussion here, one of my favorite excuse phrases, 
it's not about the money. Well, for some of you, that's fairly clear if you look at your bottom line that apparently it's not about the money. I'm being facetious here. But some of you have this reaction, oh, you know, it's not about the money. To which I ask you, was the goal to run a nonprofit? Did you get into real estate because it wasn't about the money? I doubt it. Why did you get into real estate? Because you wanted freedom. Freedom comes from producing profit. Profit comes from helping as many people as you possibly can at the highest level you know how. So don't use the whole it's not about money baloney. We could do a whole show on that, but I will leave it there because we're running out of time. Point number 16, I don't have the proper degree, designation, or brokerage. So that's another big bucket of excuses. Some of you guys have so many letters after your sign-off on your name and your email like, I don't even know what some of those are. And <laughs> we've been around forever. Why do you, you know, I think it's an excuse and a distraction and it looks like work. And that's not to say the designations don't have value, but some of you guys think that as soon as you get the next one that the world will rain leads upon you, and it just doesn't work that way. So it's not that you don't have the proper degree, designation, or brokerage. It's that you're probably hiding out in that in avoidance of the real work, the doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, and learning how to do it at the highest level you know how. Now here's another one related to that avoidance strategy, 17. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be aggressive or a salesperson. So the counter to that is to remember when somebody is motivated to buy or sell, they actually want you to close them. They want you to lead the way. They want you to show them what the next step is. So when somebody doesn't want that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you were being too pushy or aggressive or too much of a salesperson. It just means they're not ready yet. They don't need your help yet. The pushy or aggressive or salesperson thing is actually an ego reaction, in my opinion, because you don't want to come off that way. That's how you feel. What about how the prospect feels? They feel like you want to be close, like they want to be close. I use the example, you know, everybody's been in a store, whether that's buying a big screen TV or a cell phone or a car. You went there on a mission to buy something. How pissed off are you when a salesperson doesn't come up and ask how it is they can help you? You stand around. You get impatient. You go to the next store. Sometimes you don't even end up buying anything because you're so mad you go home. <laughs> okay, why? Because you went there wanting to be closed. Anything you want to add to that one, Tim? Um, read the book Fanatical Prospecting. Yeah, that's pretty much the best way. Tremendously. Yeah, Fanatical Prospecting. Yep. Next point, Jules? Yes, number 18. I can do that tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year, kicking the can down the road. Some of you guys have heard about our very competitive pre-listing package that we teach in Premier Coaching, for example, but you'll do that tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. Probably that means that you won't do it until you lose an important listing that you thought you had in the bag. That's the result of having that mindset and continuously telling yourself that. I can do that tomorrow or next week or next month. You, some of you, not all of you, some of you have conquered this. Some of you apply that thought all the time to your lead follow-up because you seem to have enough business right now. You don't really need to get into all of that voicemail, email, referrals, and all the rest. You'll do it when you feel like you're starving for your next deal. That is not a business plan. That is the recipe of feast and famine, cash spurts versus cash flow. So I'm giving you well, the so excuse Julie, and then the result of using it so that we can cure them. Go ahead. So let's drill down on that, right? Do it, delegate it, or ditch it. Julie and I didn't think of that. I think it was 
somebody else will tell us in, pod, in the uh, email notes. But do it, delegate it, or ditch it. That's the best way to go about it. Give yourself permission to literally delegate or ditch everything that is not about lead generation, pre-qualifying, presenting, negotiating, and closing. Literally, make it so your life is only about listings. When someone comes to us as a private coaching client, nine times out of ten, I ask them, you know, we'll ask them a question, what are the top ten things that they have on their minds right now? And then the list is never ten, it's like fifty. And then I ask, so what are those things on your list right now are the things that are going to put money in your pocket and put you in a position to help people in the next 30 to 60 days? And it's like two, <laughs> right? So what are the other things on your list? Why are they there? What are those things can you delegate now? What are the things that should you not even have had in your head in the first place? This time of year, you guys need to learn to say hell no to all the people out there that are trying to sell you you know, the get-rich-quick crap. You need to start saying and have the courage to say, I'm not going to listen to anyone trying to tell me that, there's a, you know, that I need to buy leads or I need to pay referral fees for leads. Ultimately, those companies only live out of your weakness. Of your inability to say no because you're worried that you can't generate your own business. So when you do the first thing, which was generating business, proactive lead, uh, lead, you know, lead generation, number one, then you do pre-qualifying, then you do presenting, then you do negotiating and closing. When you just focus all your best activities every day, your time on those five activities, you will make unlimited amounts of money. Say no to the buyer's agents. Say no to forming a team. Say no to all this other stuff and just focus on being a powerful listing agent. Next point, I don't have the energy. It's not my passion. That's Okay, look, I'm just going to bottom line it for you. Uh, if you think that you need to be passionate to be successful, you're always going to, be, be, uh, always going to fail. Passion is an ego word. Passion is a, fleet, is a fleeting feeling. Passion is something you get occasionally only for a limited amount of time. And yet, how many of you in your lives have gone from one thing to the next? It could be on a, high, a big level or a small level. It could be relationships. It could be, you know, doesn't matter what. I lost my passion for it, so I never am going to get good at it. Remember Julie and I were talking at the top of today's show? And Edison said 10,000 hours. Edison and the great philosopher McConaughey said, you know, it takes 10,000 hours in order to basically really be good at something, to be an expert at something. And yet if all of you are doing is focusing on, do I feel passionate for this? The answer is going to be hell no as soon as the real work part of whatever it is enters. All of you had romantic notions from watching too much Bravo TV about what it was like to be in real estate. And then you got into the reality of you have to do a lot of crap that you don't want to do. Sorry, not my passion. I'm not going to do it. And then the next thing you know, you're basically working on your logo. That's how it works. That's when you fail. Doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level has nothing to do with passion. Nothing. So stop pursuing your passion. It's foolish, stupid, ego. Point number 20, it's a waste of time. Julie, what do you mean by that point? And then you have one more after that. Yeah, well, I can think of many examples in real estate, but for example, uh, some people who think that calling uh, buyer leads off of their sign is a waste of time. It's not a waste of time, but you think it is because you don't use the right script, which actually converts that to business. You think buyer calls on your sign are a waste of time to call back because you never ask them which home in the neighborhood do they plan on selling. You think that BPO's broker price opinions where you're being paid 50 bucks to do basically an elaborate CMA, some of you guys think it's a waste of time because you're not thinking of it as BPO math, where you do five a day times five days a week times four weeks a month gets you $5,000 a month. 
getting paid to do – how many CMAs have you done basically for no money, okay? But you think it's a waste of time because you haven't actually learned how to do a BPO efficiently, right? So the waste of time is an elaborate excuse at the end of the day that really what you're saying is you're not going to waste what you think your time is more valuable, you know, versus actually getting paid when you learn how to do something at a high level. And I could go on with many, many stuck. examples. You got go you got stuck on BPOs there, sister. But I, did, I think the point is still still you did. The point is still valid. Well, well yeah. uh, BPOs are what we pick. Like you guys, for the most part, ha, unless you actually are doing them, have no clue how important BPOs are. Because in a changing market, when you start doing BPOs, look, you might have a staff and you don't want to do them yourself. I understand. I never did BPOs when Julie and I sold real estate personally. Neither did Julie. We had someone on staff that did it, and the reason we did it was because it allowed us, I mean, it paid for that staff member, so that staff member was costing us nothing because they were paying for their own fee, their own salary off the BPOs, but it's because it got us in the door with the REO companies. That's why. And if you're not doing that now before the market has actually really changed, you really think you're going to get your foot in the door in 24 months when everyone else is already basically trying to chase down that REO relationship? Last point, Julie. Yes, last point is my favorite. I'll try it. Okay, so I'm going to take a page from Yoda's book of wisdom just to totally nerd out on you. Yoda said, do or do not. There is no try. People tend to use the word try when they want to leave themselves an out because they consciously or subconsciously don't believe they can or will accomplish the task. It's a built-in excuse. Replace it with do or do not. There is no try. When somebody says, I'll, I'll try to call a few unrepresented sellers this afternoon, they're already saying they're either not going to do it, they're not going to put their heart into it, or they, they're you know, not going to do it at the highest level. It's a built-in excuse subconsciously whether you realize it or not. Replace it with one of my favorite affirmations. I'm a doer. I get things done. I do things now. And in fact, just using that phrase replaces all 21 excuses that we talked about over today's podcast and yesterday's. I'm a doer. I do things. I get things done. I do things now. Say that 50 times, and you will be cured of all of these, you know, loser words as we called them. Okay, so lose the loser words. Who called them? I thought I thought loser <laughs> words was a little rude. That was your idea. Well, you know. By the I way, I was going to ask you. To, I, I was going to. You know what? I'm going to do the Yoda quote what? with your Yoda voice. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, I'm more of a golem person, but uh, yeah, I can't do it. I have to do I have golem say I'll it? leave it with you. You know, you can have golem say it. Uh, there, oh. there is no, there is only do or do not. There is no try. Okay, so I hope uh, we weren't just, actually I, recording I, still. That, that just, I am recording it, but that just sounds like a After YouTube premiere. backpack. So. Yeah, well, you asked. Next time you'll learn I know. All right. All right. All right, listeners. If you guys on that need note, I'm off to Premiere. Bye. All right. So, yes, uh, Premiere coaching members, make sure you attend Julie's uh, Premiere so session live today. Um, you obviously get more out of it when you attend live because you can ask questions. If you need us for anything, please email us directly, Tim at timandjulieharris.com or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. Thanks, guys. Make it a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>